You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! Anyway, but the friend. 
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Welcome, everybody, to the third podcast in as many nights for the Missy AE podcast, uh, brought to you by Jim Early and the Whispers groups, that being Sports Whispers, Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, all of our Whispers groups, which you can you can check out at Facebook. Uh, we have a lot to cover tonight. We have, of course, coming off of a uh, coming off of a uh, little break week last week. Uh, I was out of town attending the uh, New England Revolution game against uh, against Orlando City. Uh, or yeah, Orlando City, which New England ended up winning two to one. Uh, Pretty good, pretty good game. Uh, let's see. We got Lou joining us as always. Yeah. Good evening, Lou. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, Lou. You know, Lou. I I figure we we should probably start off with Major League Soccer because uh, right, obviously, sure. you know, the reason why the reason why we didn't have a show last week was because I was at the New England Revolution game at Gillette Stadium. Uh, I forgot how that turned out. It was uh, two to one, uh, final score for uh, for the New England Revolution uh, over Orlando City, and Orlando yeah. City actually it, it's 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 weird. They they're saying that the the game winning goal was basically scored on an own goal by Orlando City, which Oops. honestly I was I was sitting there. That's flat out bullshit. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, yeah. Adam Books Adam Buxa should have gotten credit for both of New England's goals that night, uh, but for some reason they decided to they decided to credit uh, the goal going off of their own goaltender, which didn't make sense at all from some, from somebody who was actually there watching the game live. Um, and coincidentally, coincidentally, uh, with the win, not only did they clinch a spot in, I think, because I believe the uh, the first seed uh, automatically advances to the semifinals. I think for mm-hmm. the MLS Cup, and uh, not only did they clinch the semifinal spot there with, I mean, their their league leading sixty third point. Or no, they get three points. So it was sixty-two points right. at the time. Of course, of course, of course, they beat uh, Montreal uh, in uh, on Wednesday. So now yes. they have sixty-five points. Not only did they clinch, presumably, the top spot in all of Major League Soccer, because the next closest team is the Seattle Sounders over in the Western Conference. Uh, but also they clinched a spot, I believe, in the CONCAF League, which mm. basically uh, there's – I think there are, I want to say, four to six spots, I think, that are reserved for Major League Soccer teams. Because I know they have they yeah. have one for – they have one spot for whoever whoever is the the league leader and wins – or, or in points, I should say, the league leader right. in points. 
Uh, they have a spot reserved for the Eastern Conference winners, a spot for the Western Conference winners, and a spot for the MLS. Well, actually, you know, then again, maybe it maybe it is uh, only four spots because uh, there is also a spot for the MLS Cup winner. And obviously, if if New England happens to win the MLS Cup, then that spot will end up going to the runner-up uh, for the MLS Cup. But, you know, I mean, look, looking around the league, Lou, uh, there is no other team that has 20 wins like the New England Revolution currently right. do. I mean, the next closest team is Seattle with 15, uh, Kansas City with 14, Colorado with 13, and Portland with 13. Otherwise, the Eastern Conference has pretty much been dominated by New England this entire season. Uh, I know I know uh, teams around you, Lou, New York City FC, they are currently uh-huh. in the playoff. They're currently in the playoff picture from what it looks like, 11 uh, 11 six and ten which is which is weird because the way they do the uh the records in soccer is they have the draws come before the losses so it's 11 wins six draws this is and 10 weird losses. When you think about it it is yeah uh so i mean they do have at least one new york team that will be going to the playoffs nyfc yeah yeah yeah, uh, the New York Red Bulls, unfortunately, it looks like they are probably eliminated because they're 8, 7, and 11 right now, uh, currently sitting 11th among all uh, Eastern Conference teams. So they're likely out. That's ugly. Yeah, uh, it's, and, and let me tell you, I have a couple, I have a couple of friends that are uh, Red Bull fans. They're not happy. They're not happy at all this year. Um, no. Over in the over in the Western Conference, I mean, the way that it looks right now, it looks like your Western Conference playoff teams. You'll have Seattle at the top, uh, so they will advance to the semifinals for the Western Conference automatically. Uh, you'll have Kansas City, Colorado, Portland, and Salt Lake. The LA Galaxy. It looks like they will qualify, as will Minnesota and Vancouver. Currently holds that final spot, I believe. Or, wait a minute, is it? Oh, you know what? I should probably ask my friend, because I forget if it's eight or nine spots that qualify. I want to say it's eight, though. I think eight. Yeah, I want to say it's eight, but because the first seeds automatically advance, it could be nine. Yeah. Because you have to have, you have, to have an, even amount of, uh, an even amount of teams in the first round. So it, it might be potentially be nine. But nine's not even. No, but what I mean is in the first round, because, you know, the the first the first seeded teams automatically advance. Okay. So you know, since since they automatically advance, that would obviously mean that you know, obviously everybody else would have to compete unless they do it in round robin style. I don't know exactly how they do the uh, how they do the playoffs in particular, uh, but they New England pretty much clinched the supporters' shield as well, I believe. Um, which. If I look that up real quick here, I'm I'm pretty sure. 
just looking at it. Yeah, it's an annual award given to the team with the best regular season record. Yeah, so that's probably mm-hmm. – they have probably clinched it at this point. Uh, however, yeah. New England is the only team so far that has clinched a playoff spot, which is kind of surprising. Um, let me see, actually, because – Oh wait, no, that's that's completely different. I'm looking at the World Cup standings. Okay, so the playoff bracket. Uh first the first overall. Yeah, okay, this is how it goes. So uh it will be the first the first seed automatically gets a bye. So actually there are seven teams. It's not it's not eight, it's seven. Oh, seven. Yeah, they will have okay. uh three they will have three games or three series for each, uh, you know, for each yeah. conference. Uh, the number four seed faces off against number five, number three against number six, and number two against number seven. Uh, the the number one seed in the semifinals. You see, this is what I don't get, though, because yeah. – wouldn't you think that if you're the number one seed, kind of like what they do in the NBA, if you're the number one seed and you you advance, you would you would face uh, you would face off against the lowest seed remaining. Right, of course. But that's not how they do it here. Uh, how they're doing it here is the number one seed will face off against whoever wins between the fourth and fifth seeds, and it's weird. The winner and the winner of three versus six will face off against two versus seven. This mm. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, it doesn't. So look, and obviously it's the same. It's the same for uh, for the Western Conference as well. So from what it looks like right now, it looks like it's going to be. Uh, Seattle and New England getting the first round, uh, the first round buys. So, with that being said, looking at the top seven teams, that means that virtue of their loss to New England, Orlando City would be out of the playoff picture as they are currently sitting in the uh, in the eighth seed, which is obviously out of the top seven. Um, yeah. Now, as far as as far as the Western Conference goes, uh, Vancouver is currently on the outside with Minnesota taking up that last spot. However, though, uh, you know, Major League Soccer is good and all, but that isn't the big the big topic that's going on in in New England. Uh, the hmm. big story going going around New England this week is the return of Tom Brady for the first time yeah. in two years since uh, since he ended up leaving New yeah. England for Tampa Bay. And the big pro- or kind of a problem here with Tampa Bay though is you know everybody is expecting it's probably going to be a blowout, which. You know, I guess I don't know. There's a possibility it still might be. You don't think you don't think so, Lou? Uh, with Gronk out, maybe not. 
Yeah, you know, that's a, that's the key thing as well. You know, there's no Gronk. They don't have Giovanni Bernard. They don't have Jason Pierre-Paul. He's officially been listed as out as right. well. Uh, you know, th- th- they did say that Richard Sherman will play. However, you know. Good old Dick. It, it's, you know, not don't expect Richard Sherman to be in any type of uh, – you know any any type of of playing conditions when you think about it right. because unless he unless he has really been keeping himself in shape this off season and cuz keep, keep yeah. in mind he was only signed this week he he didn't even you know he didn't even go through training camp and everything but they did say that he will dress for tomorrow's game however they didn't say if he would play Oh, right, there was a difference. And when you t- when you when you consider all of the uh, all of the injuries that they're dealing with, uh, they did lose Jamel Dean, I believe, uh, to a knee injury last week. Rob Gronkowski, obviously, the rumor is he has five uh, five broken ribs that he suffered in last week's game. Yeah, and it's possible wow. he may be uh, he may be sidelined for quite a bit, but uh, that's that, what yeah. the latest that's what the latest rumor going around was that it was five broken, well broken, fractured, you know, kind of the same thing. Yeah, uh, still, I think it was that many five. Yeah, uh, there there is something kind of concerning though. Indomitian uh, Sue reportedly did not practice this week, which, right. I mean, obviously it would be good news for the Patriots, but B, it could be bad news for, uh, for Buccaneer fans, you know, who are expecting one of their, one of their top defensive tackles uh, to, to get to Mac Jones this week. It says, but according to uh, the NFL's latest injury report, he reportedly did not practice at all this week. As did uh, Giovanni Bernard also didn't practice. Obviously, he's been dealing with a knee injury. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul was limited, but reportedly he is out for tomorrow's game as he did not make the trip with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlton Carlton Davis though uh, had full participation. So did Jaden Mickens, uh, as well as Chris Godwin and Steve McClendon. So that's good news, especially on Godwin's part. Uh, one of the big weapons that uh, that Tom Brady has uh, at his on his arsenal, and also reportedly Antonio Brown uh, will be activated officially uh, for this game. So he will have Antonio Brown back. However, uh, New England, they suffered a serious injury of their own, and this one is for uh-huh. the season. As James White, the running, uh, their prized running back, is officially done for the year with a hip subluxation, as Eesh. it was uh as it was described, it's basically the same injury uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is dealing with right now. But yeah. obviously, it's much it's much tougher for a running back, considering you know they use their hips a lot more than quarterbacks do. 
when it of comes course. to uh, when it comes to the run game. So uh, originally, you know the the uh, lookout or the outlook for James White was going to be oh maybe he'll miss a couple of games. Now it's expected that he will miss the entire rest of the season, including any potential playoff appearance. So that okay, right there, now we got a problem. Yeah, that right there is a huge loss for New England because. Yeah, they have Damian Harris as their top uh, running back, but the big problem is there's all who they have behind him. You you take away James White, now you got J.J. Taylor, Brandon Bolden, who did not look good at all last week against the Saints, and you also have the rookie Ramondre Stevenson, who's been benched ever since he fumbled uh, during Week One. Mm. Now, J.J. Taylor, obviously, you know, when he came into the game last week, he provided a bit of a boost for the run game. But still, you know, against a very tough uh, New Orleans defense, that uh, the run game was kind of stifled a little bit, uh, as was was the pass game entirely, as uh, Mac Jones was pressured quite a bit. uh, He did not get the necessary throws that he wanted off, and actually he was picked three times last week. Although, to be fair, you could almost say that only one of them was his fault because one of them was a direct bullet pass. The other two, he was heavily pressured uh, due to the fact that apparently the offensive line cannot protect him worth a shit last week. But good news for Mac is it looks like Trent Brown will officially be returning for tomorrow night's game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers Mm. after missing the last couple of weeks with an undisclosed injury. Uh, Now, you know, Lou, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Obviously, you know, uh, with, you know, with, uh, with Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers, obviously people were expecting the Buccaneers to at least get out to a two and one record. That was expected. People were expecting new England to at least be two and one in the first three weeks, which, you know, maybe they would lose the, uh, the new Orleans game, but everybody was expecting them to beat the jets, which obviously they did. And everybody was expecting them to beat Miami, but they lost by by a slim margin, a one-point uh, deficit. Mm. How much blame early on this season would you put uh, – or how much uh, – who, who do you think would, should receive most of the blame for New England's early struggles uh, at the start of the season this year? Because they've had very limited offense. Mm. They – you know, they've had opportunities on defense, and they've squandered them. I mean, th- there's also been a couple of uh, a couple of plays yeah. that have been called. There's been a couple of plays that have been called that have made fans wonder, McDaniels, what the fuck are you doing when it comes to, you know, giving up? Like, like for example, one of New England's drives, they passed it all the way down the field every single play. And then once mm-hmm. they get to the ten yard line, they decide to run it. It's 
Okay, I mean, one thing about that. Plays like what? that. Yeah, it's it's like little play calls like that that uh, have kind of stifled New England's uh, offense this uh, so far early on this season. Now, here's the question though: Who do you put most of the blame on? Do you put it on the offensive line? Do you put it on the receivers themselves? Do you put it on the rookie Mac Jones? Or do you put it no, on the we, uh, we offensive coordinator? I'm looking mistakes that think we can let go. We can rule that out. I mean, a lot of rookies make a lot of mistakes. So we have. So I'm willing to cut Mac Jones a little bit of slack here. But uh, I think it's your offense line, your offensive line that's uh, screwing up. Yeah, I mean, this. Uh, you know, the offensive line should be. If, if people remember. The offensive line of New England was at one point, uh, obviously with when Brady was under center, uh, was one of the once top offensive time. lines in the game. Yeah, once upon a time, obviously. Uh, you know, was one of the top offensive lines in the game. And a lot of that had to do with the offensive line work of uh, Dante Scarnecchia, who was the legendary uh, offensive line coach for so many years for New England. Right. And – it kind of seems like once Scarnickia left, or, or I shouldn't say left, he retired. Once he retired again, it seems like New England's offensive line is nowhere near the animal that it once was. So, I mean, there, there's been there were so many uh, so many times in the first three games this year that Mac Jones has gotten absolutely destroyed on yeah. some opportunities and it's caused Mac to, you know, to take a lot of, a lot of short pass attempts instead of clearing out the field like he was able to do in Alabama. So, you know, I kind of agree with you, Lou. I kind of think that may partially, uh, you know, their offensive struggles could be attributed to the fact that the offensive line has just not been able to uh, you know, to withstand uh, any amounts of pressure. Yeah. I mean, when you have receivers like Nelson Aguilar, who was the number one receiver for uh, for Vegas. Yeah. You got Kendrick Bourne, who was one of the top receivers for uh, San Francisco. And, I mean, they'll have Nikhil Harry returning this week. Maybe, perhaps. Uh, Maybe perhaps Nikhil Harry can uh, revive his connection that he had with Mac Jones during the uh, during the preseason. But you know, you you, ha- you also had Hunter Henry as well, who put up numbers in LA. You had Johnny Smith, who was the top, who was one of the top tight ends in the league last year, and even he's been left pretty much uh, stymied early on this season. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I believe he was responsible for one of the picks last week because he couldn't catch the damn ball. Uh-huh. Uh, Dumbass. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with the pressure because the offensive line has not been able to hold, uh, has not been able to hold the line for, for, uh, to give Mac Jones time to get the ball off and to give mm-hmm. the receivers time you know, to get open. So, you know, I agree with you, Lou. I do think the offensive line is one of the, uh, you know, one of the biggest problems that that New England has had so far this season. 
Mm. Now, I'm kind of Well, they're not though. the same team as they once were when they had Brady and the Gronk and Aaron together and a few others. This is not this is not the same Patriots team. So I'm not surprised that, you know, it's coming this way. I knew once they were gone, I was going to be, you know, a shitload of the, the um, Patriots offense. I knew they were going to be in trouble. Yeah. I mean, because Newton, he didn't do crap for anybody. And, you know, and the coach was like, sorry, you got to go. You're not like you're not like your predecessor. You're out of here, you piece of shit. Sorry, Camp, you got to well, go. No. Yeah, but when you th- when you Bella think of it too, perfection. But when you think of it too, a lot a lot of uh, a lot of their struggles on offense as well could potentially have to do with poor drafting. Because when you think about it, mm. Belichick had the opportunity to draft DK Metcalf in the year that Metcalf went, and instead he decided to go with Nikhil Harry, which uh, I mean, obviously so far in his career has proven to be a, an absolute bust of a draft pick. Mm. So, you know, there's been very poor choices in the first round uh, in recent years by Belichick that has maybe led people to believe, you know, maybe that is part of the problem is the fact that, you know, they just can't draft well. I mean, you know, Belichick is praying mm. that, Oh, uh, because we got so much value for for Brady, uh, you know, with the uh, with uh, him being a sixth round pick, and he turned out to be the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, you know, maybe we can we can uh, we can search for value and we can find uh, more people like that. But it's 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 a rare occasion, you know. Yeah. I mean. You're not going to find gems like Brady every single year. So I think just the fact that just the fact that they haven't been able to draft well in the first round. I mean, obviously there have been other later round picks that have actually turned out pretty well, but you know the first round is where the cream of the crop pretty much is. Right. Yes. Or the first couple of rounds, at least. Now, yes, you know, I, I will say, you know, he drafted Sony Michelle, and Sony Michelle, at first, you know, was well worth the pick. I mean, he was one of the more dynamic runners and is one of the more dynamic running backs in his rookie year, especially during the playoffs. Now, Isaiah Wynn, you know, Isaiah Wynn got injured. Uh, and for some reason, you know, he was drafted, I believe, as a tackle, but for some reason they've been using him at uh, – or no, maybe he was drafted as – yeah, he was drafted as a guard, I think, and they've been using him at tackle for some reason. You know, it's just – for some reason, the draft has kind of played a role, I think, in the uh, de-evolution of uh, of New England's roster because they they probably felt that they would be able to sustain that level of success that they've had for so much that they had for so many years under Brady and Belichick has tried or is trying still so hard to prove that oh it wasn't Brady that made this team it was me that made this team when really with every single game that passes pretty much almost confirmed that it was basically Brady 
that made this team as successful as they were all these years. Yeah. But, you know, I just don't know. You know, with with the loss to the Rams last week, I just have this feel. I have this feeling that Brady is—he just has a sour taste in his mouth, and especially with how he left yep. New England and how they treated him uh, later on uh, in the dwindling days of his of his uh, Patriots career. I just have this feeling that Brady is going to try to run up the score tomorrow night. Oh yeah, he'll try, but I don't know if he'll succeed. I mean, obviously, one of the New England is probably going to uh, deploy man on man, or no, not man on man, uh, zone coverage probably because that's right, right, yes. one of the one of the key things that that uh, that Brady struggled against the most is when the field was always covered. So they're probably going. They're probably you know going to try and and limit Brady. To uh, to potentially running the ball almost the entire game, I guess. Which, I mean, I don't know. With how New England's defense got picked apart by uh, by New Orleans last week, I, I I just have a bad feeling all around that this is going to be a potential. You know, if Mac Jones isn't able to uh, capitalize on this uh, def- on this depleted defense of Tampa. I just have a bad feeling that uh, this is going to be a pretty yeah, big blowout. I mean, you know, it's it, it does help a little bit that uh, Tampa Bay is missing uh, quite a few pieces and the fact that their defense is actually ranked 25th in the league while New England's uh, surprisingly is ranked fifth. So, you know, I, I guess maybe perhaps uh, also also as well, you know, Tampa Bay so far hasn't really had much of a run game. And, no. you know, one of the things I, one of the things I've noticed as well is all of the early money, no surprise here, all of the early money has gone on Tampa Bay. And with such yeah. a lopsided, with such a lopsided betting, it kind of makes you wonder if perhaps the league may try to skew the may try to skew the uh, the calls a little bit tomorrow night. But uh, anyways, by the way, Lou, you have done really, really well in the uh, game's gridiron uh, for, right. for Whispers. You are actually in a three-way tie for first place right now. Uh, but but uh, based, off of, uh, based off of alphabetical order, though, you are, uh, you are ranked third uh, on the leaderboard. Yeah. But, okay. you know... So, uh, you, you are tied with two others uh, with 17 points total. And actually, so far this week, I think you have uh, you have two wins, I believe, so far. Let me. Yeah, you're you're two and one right now with uh, Georgia covering right. the spread and Michigan covering the spread. 
well, Michigan won outright anyway, so uh, yeah. they covered uh, regardless. But your only loss right now is the Hurricanes back on uh, Thursday night. Uh, so I didn't take the Rutgers Ohio State game because I knew how that was going to turn out to be. Ugh. Well, it turned out to be a cover it for is. Ohio State, so. Well, I mean, it was obvious. I mean, Rutgers against Ohio State, you can't even compare the two. I mean, you know, when you look at that, I mean, Ohio State made Rutgers look like a, like a peewee league team. Ugh. Yeah, you know, I was looking at some of the uh, at some of the spreads when the spreads were first uh, were first put out there, and you know, there were a few that seemed appetizing. Now, obviously, of course, I wasn't expecting uh, Georgia to absolutely steamroll Arkansas earlier today Neither like they I. did. I I thought that maybe perhaps uh, you know Arkansas would be able to get some offense out there, but for some reason, they got they got shut out big time, thirty seven to to nothing yeah. today uh, by Georgia. And let's see, there was that game. I had a feeling that uh, Texas, the uh, the Longhorns, that they would be able yeah. to cover against TCU, which luckily they did. Uh, but TCU also covered because they were given five points, uh, mm-hmm. while Texas. Basically, it was a five-point spread, essentially. So, uh, I had a feeling, though, that Texas would be able to cover, which they ended up doing, luckily. Um, We did, however, have a huge upset with a last-second touchdown forcing overtime uh, by Stanford against the number three-ranked Oregon Ducks earlier today. And Stanford then scored in overtime, and Oregon, I, I don't know what the hell happened, but they ended up fumbling their own ball yeah. on third down, ended up losing, I think it was like a yard or something, and then on fourth down, yeah. they, just, they weren't able to get anybody open. And that was probably the biggest upset that we've seen so far that we saw so far today. Now, obviously, I haven't updated the uh, the other scores yet, but uh, games that are currently in progress: LSU with a seven-point lead right now over Auburn. Uh, we do have oh, Boston College tied Clemson. Very interesting. Ah. You know what? Let's talk about that for a second. How yeah, big of a collapse? How big of a collapse has this been for Clemson? The fact that you know they were once oh. a they were once a uh, top ranked university. You know, yeah. a multiple uh, a multiple national championship winner, and now all of a sudden, you know, once they lose Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they they had quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. They were almost like Alabama when it came to production. But now, all of a sudden, they're struggling to even produce, period, with uh, DJ uh, Ulagalele as their quarterback. And actually, they just had a punt blocked by BC. So BC is now starting on Clemson's 35-yard line. 
it looks like we're going to get potentially another score here. Uh, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts, Lou? What, why do you think Clemson has gone from basically being a top university, you know, with one one, one of the top universities that has uh, yeah. kind of like Alabama, where they get the recruits and everything, uh, to now all of a sudden, you know, they're they're pretty much in obscurity at this point, or pretty damn close well, to I guess- it. Well, I guess we could say the same thing about, you know, Nebraska. I mean, once upon a time, Macedonians, they were the cream of the crop, but look at them now. Now they fall off a cliff. I guess they couldn't get any uh, good draft picks since then. I guess, you know, now, well, I mean, recruits from high school. So maybe the same effect is now uh, happening to, to Clemson. I mean, Clemson not long ago were, like, uh, I think, national champions. And now uh, they, can, they can't even draw flies. So I think maybe they're having the same effect. They can't recruit anybody to go out, you know, High school or maybe you know junior college or whatnot. You got to learn how to. I guess the guys, you know, they forgot how to recruit better. Yeah, it's so strange with how, uh, you know, with just, with just how poorly Clemson has played so far this year, well, uh, to the point shit. of where, you know, it's 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 almost like I mean they're they've dropped all the way to the number twenty five seed. Uh, to uh, to number 25 out of all the top 25. And from what it looks like, if they continue playing the way they are, uh, you know, we'll probably be looking at Clemson outside, you know, unranked, which, you know, if you were to, if you were to ask uh, a college football fan, you know, so many years ago, nobody would ever think that Clemson would be, uh, would be out, would be unranked. Neither would I. Point. Neither would I. But as the old saying goes, what comes up must come down. And eventually, and apparently, uh, for Clemson, it has. Yeah, it's just it's just so weird with how uh, yeah with how things yeah, have it. turned out. Because you know the, this is like I said, this was a. Uh, a highly coveted school to uh, to go to for you know for their football program once they developed it into a uh, into a national championship winner, and I, I, I just find, I find it so funny that Dabo Swinney is complaining about not getting calls uh, when they're not, when, when they are barely I'm not. When they were bar- when they were barely leading Boston College by only one score. Yeah, but Sweeney's an ego problem. Yeah, uh, you know, I kind of have to wonder: was the loss of Trevor Lawrence and Tra- and uh, and Travis Etienne really? It could be a factor. I'm not saying it is, but it it could have been. I mean, if that's the you know if that's the case, Clemson. They got a long way from ever going back to contention for uh, for a potential yeah, college yeah. football playoff. But I, I think mean, it may be a while at this point. Yeah, you can't rule it out, but at the same time, you know, considering how they've played this year, and from what it looks like with how the momentum is going. Uh, by the way, that was overturned. The uh, the punt. I, I guess apparently they must have gotten. Uh, 
they must have ruled it a uh, – or no, they must have gotten an interception, I think, uh, off of BC. Uh, but – because Clemson has the ball back now. But, you know, it's definitely going to be a long time, I think, before we ever see Clemson back in the national football playoff just by – I don't know if we can look that far down the road. I think I don't think it's going to be too long. Maybe just a one just a one year thing. I mean that's that's how it's on college teams before. You know they're down one year they come back the next. I don't think it's going to be too long before we see them back in the uh, you know the real form. Maybe just put me in off the year. Well, hopefully, if you're you know if you're if uh, if you're a fan of Clemson, you better hope that there's a. Uh, you know, that this was just a one-year thing. Uh, by the yeah. way, we did have another big upset as the number 10 Florida Gators fell to unranked Kentucky 20-13. to Uh-huh. As Kentucky now improves to 5-0, and 3-0 and inside the SEC. So that's the second major upset. That we've gotten uh, that we've gotten so far today, and the Florida, you know, Florida is one of those other schools that uh, helped. You know, they had much better success last year with Kyle Trask yeah. as opposed to Trask. Uh, you know, as opposed to who they who they currently have now, uh, Emory Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did also see uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish fall to the Cincinnati Bearcats, twenty-four thirteen. Which uh, not Cincinnati, a surprise, not a surprise to me. Cincinnati's, a, Cincinnati's tough. Yeah, no, that's not that's not a surprise to me at all either. Uh, Cincinnati, for the first time this year, they actually look like a legitimate uh, a legitimate threat potentially. Yeah. Uh, with how they with how they're continuing to uh to win game after game after game with such uh well i i shouldn't say such high level uh high production because this was cons- considering their last couple of games this was kind of low production for them uh only 24 points but okay uh Notre, Notre Dame though their first loss of the season they fall to 4 and 1 uh probably they might fall out of the top 10 potentially uh, depending on uh, yeah, depending on what they uh, what they see for rankings, I think maybe Ohio State may climb back into the top ten potentially. Um, I would think so. Michigan, Michigan with a big win over Wisconsin, thirty eight seventeen earlier today. They're five and zero for her. Uh, Coastal Carolina is five and zero with a fifty nine to six thrashing of uh, of UL Monroe. You were wrong. Alabama. What kind of a school is that? I have no idea. Uh, no I guess maybe they're in maybe they're in Louisiana. I don't know. I know, but they're, but there's but they're such a crappy team. Yeah, well now I mean now they're two and two, uh, but yeah, you know they're not one of those teams that uh, that. Everybody is known for uh, for paying attention to. No, no, far from it. You know, one of one of the other big teams that has really surfaced this year is the Iowa Hawkeyes, yeah. uh, improving 
improving to 5 and 0 last night with a 51 to to 14 demolishing of Maryland. Uh Talia Tago uh, Talia picked off five Tua's little brother. times last night. Yeah, Tua's little brother times last night by Iowa. Easily the worst game in his college career thus far. Uh-huh. And BYU with a 34 to 20 uh victory over Utah State, they stay undefeated at 5 and 0. Uh, sure. BYU, you know, that's another team to potentially look at as well when they're, uh, they're, when they're moving right? up the, uh, uh, they are, yeah, right. yeah I believe they are. Cause Just like Notre Dame. They, because they are not, I don't think they are listed. Um, let me see real quick. Yeah, because they have. They have home and away. They don't have, uh, like, Big Ten or SEC next to their record. Okay. So, I guess they're probably independent, yeah. But a uh, a 34-20 to 20 victory. Uh, Tyler Allgaier had the big game for BYU uh, last night. Three touchdowns, 218 yards on 22 carries. So, uh, BYU, that's another potential team to look at there moving up. Uh, Alabama, they stay undefeated, 42-21 to over Ole Miss today. I got a question about it's, Alabama. Um, do you think that uh, there's something more with their defense a little bit, or is it just me? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, there's, there's been Alabama defenses in the past that have that have given up, uh, you know, that that have that have made games kind of close. Right. In previous okay. So it's years. not just me. Thank God. No, it's but it, honestly, this kind of looks like an Alabama defense. Yeah. You know, because you know they gave up only when they lost to Florida. That was only two points, and everybody's like, "Ah, oh, they're going to beat the pants off." Oh, really? I didn't think so. Yeah, no. I knew something was going on, and they all died me anyway. So I'm wondering, you know, um, is their defense, you know, suffering a bit? And can one of the top four teams or top five teams, you know, in the conference, uh, you know, beat him before the season's over? Maybe, you know, I could see Georgia as a possibility with how they've I been. I was thinking uh, that too. With how they've been rolling. With how they've been ro- rolling so far this year, I mean, they dispatched uh, eighth-ranked Arkansas like it was nothing today. Um, yeah. So, I still can't understand how Oklahoma is ranked sixth when uh, they've just barely gotten by with all their wins. Uh, winning against Kansas yeah. State also today, 37-31. You know, I... I just I just don't I don't understand how they're even ranked number six, uh, but you know I think there are a couple of teams that could potentially give Alabama some problems. You know I don't know if Penn State possibly would, considering maybe I I think Georgia mostly. Yeah, I would say if I were a betting man, I would probably put money on Georgia as being the toughest oh, yeah, matchup yeah. for uh, for Alabama this year. Because usually they are. Usually they're the toughest matchup uh, every right. year that Alabama has. So, 
And actually, you know what? Let me look. Let me see. When do they face off against Alabama? Uh, they have, let's see, next week they have Auburn, then Kentucky. Do they not? Wow. They don't face Alabama this year. Oh, come on. There goes the great game of the year then. So the first time that they would – the only time that they would face Alabama is maybe in the SEC title game. Mm. Well, we got a good game of the week next week anywho. But, I mean, you take you know, you take a look at – you take a look at Georgia, though. They Clemson 10-3 to in the first uh, – in the first week. Uh, they beat UAB in the second week thrashing, which, I mean, that doesn't really matter anyways. Uh, they thrashed wow. South Carolina forty to thirteen. They shut out Vanderbilt, and they shut out Arkansas this past week or, or earlier today. Mm-hmm. So, you know the toughest matchups. Honestly, you know they kind of have an easy schedule now that I look at it because they they face twenty second ranked Auburn next week. Uh, although depending on what happens today, you know, maybe Auburn may not even be ranked potentially. Uh, they face off against Kentucky the week after. They face off against tenth ranked Florida uh, at the end of the at the end of the month, October thirtieth. Uh, then the sixth, they face Missouri. Uh, November thirteenth, they face Tennessee. And then they wrap up their year against Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. So, mm-hmm. honestly, it's not really that tough of a schedule for Georgia this year. Depends who you ask. I mean, maybe maybe Auburn, Kentucky, and Florida may give them some problems, but you know, I'm not really. Uh, I'm look. I'm just looking at this schedule, and I, I think it's a it's a very big possibility that Georgia could fi- could finish undefeated. Mm. As long as they as long as they don't run into any problems, you know, for uh, for uh, injuries and whatnot this year. Uh, some other games that are currently ongoing. Mississippi State is currently on upset alert, leading Texas A&M twenty-four nineteen. Though Texas A&M is currently uh, in the red zone for uh, at the Mississippi State eighteen-yard line, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, let's see, Oklahoma State barely leading Baylor seventeen fourteen, with about six and a half minutes to go in that game. Penn State with a 14 nothing lead over Indiana with about – actually, they probably – I think they just started the second half. Uh, Michigan State over Western Kentucky currently 42-16. to Houston College and Clemson are tied at 13 apiece. LSU just increased their lead over Auburn to 10 to nothing. And let me see if there are any other, any other notable games here to, uh, to mention. Uh, Iowa, well, yeah, no, that's not really. Well, actually, yeah, I guess. Iowa State currently demolishing Kansas 52-7. to uh, Vanderbilt with a slight lead over UConn. That's not much of a surprise, if anything. No, 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 no. 
Nebraska, uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Nebraska currently thrashing Northwestern 49-7. to And the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana with a 20-6 to lead over, uh, over unbeaten South Alabama. And one of the later starting games, currently uh, Washington and Oregon State are tied at seven apiece. So, uh, yeah, there's, you know, not really – actually, let me take a look at the remaining spreads and let me see if there are games that I'm missing here because – I believe we still have Fresno State that still has to play tonight. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, we still have UCLA play against Arizona State. We got Fresno State at Hawaii. We have um, – yeah, you know, there's not really any other big games to keep an eye on for the most right. part. But uh, – you know, going back to the NFL for a second here, what the hell happened uh, between Cincinnati and Jacksonville? You know, a seven-and-a-half-point spread, a seven-and-a-half-point yeah. spread, and I guarantee you nobody thought that it would that the game would be as – would turn out as close as it did with yeah. a last-second field goal. A last-second field goal, improving Cincinnati to three and one on the year, uh, with a twenty-four twenty-one victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, now Jacksonville is the second longest losing streak in NFL history. Oh boy! And I'll tell you, yeah. Urban Meyer made a great college coach, but oh boy, since he went to the NFL, oh boy, it sucked. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering, you know, you know how we reported uh 2 weeks ago that maybe potentially his heart may not be all in it this year. Yep. I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps that report is true. Because uh maybe you know, this this is very unusual that we're seeing out of Urban Meyer, the fact that he that yeah. his Usually he has pretty good coached teams, and sure, Jacksonville, they've just laid a fucking goose egg so far this year. Yeah. And maybe maybe part of it has to do with the fact that Trevor Lawrence is still getting adjusted to the NFL, but maybe. I mean, 200, 204 yards this week, the only touchdown he had was a rushing touchdown. Yeah. Then again, we're sort we're sort of seeing the same thing from other rookie quarterbacks as well. You know, uh, uh, Justin yeah. Fields in his first uh, in his first two starts has struggled. Uh, he's going to be starting tomorrow as well. Why? I believe because Dalton is. Uh, well, Dalton yeah, I mean, is... figure that. No, I'm just thinking. Why well, would no, you he... want to do that? I mean, because because you know they both suck, and you know that. Um, Andy Dalton, you know, is, is crap. Well, no, he's injured. Yeah, but he's also crap. Yeah, but I mean, he is crap. But he's he has some sort of knee injury, I guess. So yeah, I heard. Uh, he is probably. Uh, they said he's doubtful to even play. So 
Uh, it looks like it's probably going to be Justin Fields that will be the starter, which, you know, he's he's been one of those guys that has had that has had problems this year. I mean, granted, it's you know it it is you know a rookie quarterback, but yes. You know, a lot of people have expected a lot out of out of these uh, rookies this year. You know, Zach Wilson, he's yeah. off to an zero and three start, but a lot of people a lot of people think that could be just because he's a New York Jet that you know he's off to right. such a bad start. Um, oh, down goes Florida officially. Uh, from a note I just got here from uh, from. One of the uh, games gridiron uh, hosts, twenty to thirteen final, Kentucky over Florida. Yep. Wait, twenty thirteen? You say twenty three or twenty? Twenty thirteen. Okay, that's what I so have. 20. That's what I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm right. I'm writing the scores down as we speak. Yeah, here we here we go. Looking at looking at Chicago last week, uh, the Bears. Justin for for Justin Fields, he only completed six out of twenty passes for sixty eight yards. He had three rushes for twelve yards. So this is almost this is basically they're they're only playing him because they're forced to play him because Andy Dalton's injured. Even though Andy Dalton is absolute shit, they would still play him. Over over Justin Fields because it's clear as day right now that Fields just isn't ready for the pro game. No, but I, you know, it's like I say, pick your poison. Who would you rather take? Because Dalton is crap. So and uh, Fields, but Fields like you know another rookie, you know making rookie mistakes. You know, they always try to give the um, rookies you know, a little bit of slack. I mean, they're not used they're not used to it yet. I mean, nobody expects, True. you know, a rookie quarterback to, uh, you know, take the team from worst to first in a year. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah, so, no, you know, that, that was a little Nobody is expecting a rookie to uh, to completely blaze through the league. Uh, no. You know, unlike, unlike Kyler Murray this year in his, what, second or third year, I think, in the league, and now all of a yes. sudden, he's led the Cardinals. He's led the Cardinals to a three and O record through three weeks so far. So lucky uh, him. You know, he's one of those uh, one of those former rookies that's been uh, that's been on a uh, blazing trail so far to start the season. Yes. Uh, but you know, Wilson Wilson has done hor- actually honestly, you know the. Probably the two best quarterbacks so far this year have been Wilson, despite his 0 and 3 record, and uh, and Mac Jones, because really Mac's only bad game so far was against New Orleans last week, and Wilson, even though he has had, uh, even though you know his Jets are 0 and 3, he has it, it, you know it's not like he's been horrible. I mean, yeah, he has thrown picks this year, uh, but part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, the Jets, they just have nothing to give him, you know? They have no 
they have no defensive support and honestly, you know, they're they're just outmatched basically yeah. in every single rank. But uh let's see, who was yeah. one of the other ones? Uh Trey Lance, you know, Trey Lance has been used sparingly for the 49ers, but for the most part it's been Garoppolo's team this year. Yes. So uh then obviously there's Davis Mills of the Houston Texans who has basically been forced into starting because of the injury to Tyrod Taylor. And last week he he did have one touchdown uh with I believe it was a missed extra point attempt, but uh you know they Actually, they fell to uh but they fell to Carolina 24 to 9 last uh last week but taking a look at his stats currently uh this year he has two touchdowns and one pick he's been sacked five times uh his completion so far he's had a total of 27 out of 46 out of 46 attempts so he's 27 for 46 for 270 yards Averaging around six yards per per throw, uh, two touchdowns, one pick. You know yeah. he's basically kind of on the same level as Mac Jones, except with less interceptions. So, you know, really the top two quarterbacks probably have been Zach Wilson and Mac Jones for the most part this year, uh, as far as rookies yeah. go. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is up there too, but. You know, there's only so much that Trevor Lawrence can do uh, right. with the with the team that he's currently dealing with. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does have actually. You know what? I should say Trevor Lawrence has actually yeah, been the best the best quarterback uh, statistic wise. Five touchdowns, seven picks. The seven picks is a big problem, but he probably has. Uh, one of the worst quarterback uh, one of the worst quarterback ratings in the league thirty six point eight which is ranked twenty eighth of thirty two quarterbacks however he is twelfth ranked when it comes to passing yards eight hundred and seventy three passing yards so I think as far as Lawrence's struggles go, it just has to do with the fact that he's a that he's a Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah, uh, that he's cursed uh, to basically be on a team that sucks so badly, essentially. But, uh, you know, one of the other troubling things uh, this uh, early on this year has been the Kansas City Chiefs starting out yeah. with a one and two record. Very surprising when you think about uh, the dominance that the Chiefs have had the past couple of years. I mean, yeah. in, in a in a in an AFC West that seems to be stacked now. I mean, you have the Raiders at three and O. You have the Broncos at three and O behind Teddy Bridgewater. Surprisingly, uh, you have the Chargers at two and one. Is it almost is it close to panic time for the Kansas City Chiefs? Despite it yeah, being I only think three it is. games. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't expect this. You know, no, I, actually, I mean, especially with so I think uh, there is room to I think there is a bit of panic room here. 
Yeah, especially with such an elite quarterback like uh, like Pat Mahomes, you know they they are actually uh, they have they've given up more points than they've actually scored. They've scored ninety two points, but they've get, but they've given up ninety five so far mm. to open up the year. I mean they're averaging around. Let me see if I have this right. They're averaging close to close to thirty three points given up per game. I mean that's very uncharacteristic of Kansas City. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm almost wondering if Pat Mahomes is kind of is kind of following the same career trajectory that Russell Wilson started off with. Huh. You know, he started no, off. I don't like to compare off players, but uh, maybe that is the case. I mean, when you think about it, Russell Wilson—he started off promising in his early Seattle Seahawks career. Yes, uh, yes. He made the he he won the Super Bowl in one of his first years in the league, and then he went to back-to-back Super Bowls, I should say. Uh, you know, won against the Broncos, then he lost against New England. Um, right. So, you know, there's – I think there's definitely a potential a potential cause for concern when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. I mean, Nobody what, do you, what do you think, Lou? Because, because they have probably one of the top offenses in the league still, but defense, man, it's just – I don't know. It's you know it's a shit kind, show. Of, kind of embar- it's kind of embarrassing for 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 a team like uh, like Kansas City who's been such a juggernaut the past couple of years, and now they find themselves at the bottom of the AFC West. Yeah, surprise us all, isn't it, folks? Oh, it definitely is. And actually, yeah. you know uh, the AFC North. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were atop of the AFC North last year. Uh, and now all of a sudden now all of a sudden we're back to big we're back to Big Ben doesn't give a shit. And Yeah. Now all of a sudden now all of a sudden the Cincinnati Bengals are at the top of the uh at the top of the division while the Pittsburgh Steelers are at the bottom. And it's still on the top, just like the way it used to be. Mm. And you know, with the with the way the AFC South looks right now, I have a feeling Tennessee may just run away with the AFC South once they get their uh, once they get their uh, their ground. Yeah. Uh, once they stand their ground, basically, you know, they're currently two and one, but the Texans are one and two. The Colts are winless. The Jaguars are winless. Yeah. The Colts are a mess to begin with, uh, despite having right. Carson Wentz as their quarterback. The Colts are a mess. Uh, you know, it looks like the AFC South, yeah, the so. Titans may just run away with it. Who would have thought? And another big surprise uh, this year so far has been the 3-0 and start for Sam Darnold with the Carolina Panthers. What a surprise. He sucks on the Jets and does well for this. And plus, they won last week as well without Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. 
So you got, I mean, you got the Panthers, you got the Buccaneers, and you got the Saints all within striking range of each other in the NFC South so far. I mean, granted, keep right. in mind, everybody, it's only been three games. So, you know, maybe not much to overreact to here. But if you have a quarterback like Sam Darnold and you're saying that Sam Darnold is your quarterback, the way he played the last couple of years with the Jets and you're starting off with a 3-0 and record, I would kind of be concerned if I was other teams. You know, because Carolina, if if you're going you're going from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold, and you mean to tell me that that Sam Darnold is a much better fit than Bridgewater was for your club? Yeah, I mean that would be that would kind of concern me if I was a fan of some of the other teams in the NFC South. I mean, obviously Tampa Bay is probably going to take over eventually, uh, considering they do have the greatest of all time. Uh, you know, uh, leading the, leading their squad. So, and obviously the Saints, yeah, they have a two and one record. But honestly, I don't see, I don't see Jameis Winston uh, lasting the entire season with the way that he's. Uh, no, I mean no. he's been very he's been very calm so far when it comes to decision making. But I have a feeling sooner rather than later we'll probably see the old Jameis Winston at some point. Uh, making reckless decisions. Also, it looks like uh, the demise of Aaron Rodgers has been uh, has been greatly exaggerated. Uh, the Maybe Packers are the Packers are back on top of the NFC North with a two and one record, uh, winning their last two games and. You know, there was such a panic. I remember there after the first week there being such a panic that, uh, you know, Rodgers seemed like he was checked out of the game of football, uh, that, you know, he was almost he, – he basically uh, – we remember he had that huge feud uh, in the offseason with the front office of uh, the Green Bay Packers. You know, he doesn't like the general manager. Yeah. Um but- Everybody thought that he might retire or he might sit out of the game of football this year. Ultimately, they convinced him to come back. All signs had pointed to Aaron Rodgers being basically mentally checked out of uh, the game of football. And now all of a sudden, Green Bay has found themselves in the driver's seat. So, you know, it's clear that the reports of his demise have been greatly exaggerated. But you know, Lou, what a turnaround for your Dallas Cowboys. You know, so far so good. It, it uh I think if anything, this just shows how important Dak Prescott is to this team. The uh, the oh, fact yeah. that the Cowboys are back on top 2 and 1 to start off the year. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he had a pretty good game last week as well, but it, I think it's abundantly clear that the MVP of the Cowboys is clearly Dak Prescott because they're a much different team when he's officially healthy. Oh yeah. Hey, what have you thought, Lou, so far about Dallas's start? As I've seen in a long time, 
with Dax back in the lineup, you know, that 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 makes a big difference. Yeah, and you know, like I like I told you uh to start off the uh after week 1, there was the possibility that the Cowboys could could go on a run. Yeah. With how their schedule looked. And I mean, you got the Panthers. I I mean, granted Panthers are 3 and 0. Uh the Cowboys they they don't have DeMarcus Lawrence, so they are a bit banged up. Uh this will be a pretty good test though to see where the Cowboys are uh when it comes to facing tougher teams uh you know with uh, with better records i mean 3 and 0 2 and 1 not really that much of a uh, difference but uh you know it's it's definitely uh th- this will probably be a big test because carolina has allowed an average of 14 points or fewer in each game this year So now you're basically banking on possibly Dallas bucking that trend. Yes. That may, that may pro, uh, provide big problems for Dallas if they're hoping to win this, uh, if they're hoping to win this week to improve to three and one. Right. Oops. Now there was history actually. Uh, there was history that was made last week. As Justin Tucker, not only did he make four or five field goals in their win over the Lions last week, but the final kick of the game was a record-setting 66-yard field goal that yep. looked like it, oh, really that as way. it bounced as it bounced off of the crossbar, it looked like it was going to fall back onto the field, but instead it fell the opposite way and went through the crossbar, or it went through the uh, the uprights for the win. An NFL yeah. record 66 yards. I guarantee you there is nobody that is probably going to be able to break that record. No. I mean, the previous record was what, 64, 63, I think? 63. So yeah, it's. I mean that you know that was one hell of a finish, uh, for, for Baltimore last week. I was absolutely shocked to see, uh, you know, to see him, um, to see him kick that game winner as far as he did. And the thing is, this was an on the point sixty-six yard attempt. You know, there wasn't. Oh, that kick could have been good from seventy. That kick could have been good for that could that kick could have been good for sixty-eight. That kick could have been good for seventy. No, there. If it was one yard further, that kick would have missed. That kick would have fallen short. So that makes it even more impressive. Uh, well, we do have I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Did Al oh. Michaels in that money game? He did what? Yeah, it's it was just unbelievable. And there was all you know. There was also another. Um, I think it was last week for Jacksonville uh, when they returned a uh, what they called a kick six. 
where they yeah. returned a uh, missed a missed field goal for a all the way for a touchdown, and uh, one of the one of the announcers sounded like he was having a damn heart attack right as the uh, right as he was calling the the whole play. When you, I forget I forget who it was, but it looked like he it looked like he was uh, or it sounded like I should say he was having a damn heart attack when uh, when Jamal yeah. Agnew returned the uh, returned the missed field goal all the way back for a kick six. Maybe it was ready to Chris Sims. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, we do have some sad news, though, in college football uh, last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, a sophomore defensive back out of uh, Utah, Aaron Lowe, was uh, identified as a victim in a shooting early yes. Saturday morning last week, uh, the shooting had occurred. Oh, okay. The shooting had occurred pre the previous Sunday in Salt Lake City at a house party, uh, right. but it was only it took all the way until the very next Saturday for him to be officially identified as uh, one of the victims. Um, a second victim was also identified, and they were at the time in critical condition. I don't know what the status of that victim is since. Uh, however, uh, Aaron Lowe was unfortunately uh, unfortunately shot and killed um, in the middle of his third season with Utah, and he had appeared in each of the team's first four games. Uh, he was also recently the recipient of – the Ty Jordan Memorial Scholarship, it says, which was given in honor of the former Utah running back Ty Jordan, who was tragically shot and killed last year while at his home in Texas. So that's that's very tragic, especially at such a young age, too. Uh, You know, not even getting to not even getting to, uh, you know, perform in the NFL and having, uh, having his life cut so short. Um, let's see. Yeah. It's honestly, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Uh, Clemson is really lucky right now an update here they are really lucky that boston college is tripping over themselves as uh clemson is holding currently a three-point lead over boston college 16 to 13 so right now they are very very lucky that uh, boston college just can't seem to get out of their get out of the way of their own selves uh so some injury news uh, in the NFL. DJ Chart of the Jacksonville Jaguars has been diagnosed with a broken left ankle that he suffered last okay. week, and he is out in – or no, not last week, actually. Uh, this past Thursday night against yeah. uh, Cincinnati, he suffered the broken ankle, and he is out indefinitely, uh, basically the rest of the season, essentially. Uh, and it's – it's a brutal turn of events for him considering he was in a contract year this year and he didn't gel. 
he didn't gel at all with the new uh, with, with Urban Meyer. So it sounds like he may have possibly played his final game already in a Jaguars uniform. Um, and he's not really going to be a particularly young first-time free agent either. So that could potentially impact uh, what he might get on the open market as he'll be 26 uh, in tw- uh, next year. He'll be 26. Um, however, though, they're pretty much left with Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault as their top two receivers now with DJ Chark officially out of uh officially out of action for the year so a disaster already for jacksonville has just gotten worse essentially yeah unfortunately not know a jacksonville fan but you got to start from you know keep losing they haven't won since the opening game of last year and after that the bottom just fell out Hey, it just mean it just means there's gonna be uh gonna be more uh number one picks for them. Yeah, and what you know, we'll we do have seen, we have seen we have seen teams that have built their uh built their squads off of early draft picks. So yeah. you never know, you know, maybe perhaps one of these years Jacksonville will finally get it right and they'll finally ba- be back to being a team that can actually contend. It's kind of funny that the last time they they were in contention was when Blake Bortles was their starter. Oh yeah, he basically come out of retirement. I mean, now he's—I don't even think he's retired. I think he's a backup. But uh, oh, oh yeah, I right. Even, I can't—I can't even remember with who though. That's the problem. Yeah, he's been—he's been essentially out of the picture for so long. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, though, they will have one extra receiver this week as Josh Gordon has officially been reinstated uh, from his suspension because of marijuana, obviously now with marijuana officially being uh, officially uh, being treated as not a performance enhancer uh, by the NFL. So now... Uh, he has officially been reinstated, and he has signed with the Chiefs practice mistake, squad. Big mistake. Big mistake. Why? Why do you think that? Well, I mean, he does it all the time. I mean, you know, they they they're too soft on him. I mean, he, he screws up all the time, but yet the league gives him more and more chances. It's his fifth, you know, suspension on 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 drug use and whatnot, and sixth attempt, uh, sixth suspension overall. I mean, where's enough enough? I mean, there's got to be a point where you draw the line and say, okay, you're going to screw up again. We're going to kick you out. You're not going to be reinstated. Yeah, well, keep in mind, all of those failed drug tests were because of marijuana, and marijuana Uh at the time was treated as a performance enhancer. Right. Now, obviously, with marijuana no longer being considered a performance enhancer, it makes sense that he should be reinstated for something that was never even an enhancer to yeah. begin with. Yeah. You know? So now it's legal. Yeah, because now it's legal. You know, there's no reason why he should have to sit on the sidelines, essentially. Yeah, and the thing they've been trying to make marijuana legal since my, since my generation. 
But yeah, you know, and the th- the thing is too is that uh, keep in mind the stance on on marijuana has really loosened in recent uh, in recent memory. Yes, too. I mean, so yes, I know. I know. I mean, not you know, all uh, just all around all around the United States in general. Um, let's see an update on AJ Brown of the Tennessee Titans. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury, and he did not practice at all this week. He's considered to be week to week, as he left last week in the first quarter with with the hamstring injury. So it looks like he will yeah. be out probably for tomorrow's matchup against the New York Jets. Right. Uh, which will probably see a majority of the targets going towards Julio Jones uh, from what it looks like here. Just assuming ba- based off of how they've, uh, how they've spread out the, uh, the targets in recent weeks. And with him being week to week, you know, who knows how long he'll end up missing. Uh, good news, though, Taylor Lewan, after after suffering a injury in practice, uh, or actually, no, not in practice, in warm-ups prior to last week's game, uh, he officially practiced in full this week, so he should be good to go for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, for their matchup against the New York Jets. Uh, The New Orleans Saints, they will lose left tackle Taron Armstead for several weeks, it says, after suffering an elbow injury against New England last week. Uh, The injury is not believed to be season-ending at this current time. However, uh, he suffered the injury while taking a hit from Tony Jones, uh, one of the running backs, uh, who was also blocking on the play. Uh, he had left last week's game, and obviously he didn't return, just based off of the diagnosis. Uh, in return, uh, James Hurst, who started five games last year for New Orleans, is likely going to be taking his role on the uh, at the left tackle spot. Uh, also, there was a little bit of a scare uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs as head coach Andy Reid reportedly had to be transported to yeah. a local hospital following their matchup against the Chargers last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Reportedly, though, it, it, it was said that he that he had been suffering from dehydration uh, following their home loss, but. The good news is it sounds like uh, Andy Reid is officially all well, so uh, he should be back. He should be back on the sideline uh, for the Chiefs tomorrow. uh, Tomorrow for their matchup. Forty Niners cornerback Josh Norman suffered a chest injury uh, last Sunday night, and. It is reported that he reportedly has two bruised lungs and tissue damage after he was taken to a nearby hospital after spitting up blood uh, following being taken out of the Sunday night matchup. Uh, says here that, I mean, he has been mostly, mostly used in a rotational role by the 49ers. However, he could miss 
tomorrow's game against the Seattle Seahawks, though, Rappaport, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, Norman hopes to play tomorrow against uh, or in their in their matchup. So something to potentially keep an eye on for uh, – you know, for fans of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, also bad news for the Jets, uh, their young wide receiver, Elijah Moore, he suffered a concussion last week against the Broncos. And actually, let me take a look at the – yeah, he didn't participate this week, so he must, uh, he must not be um, cleared from concussion protocol. And what also may be bad news as well is Marcus May, uh, the Jets starting safety, he did not participate as well with an ankle injury. So the Jets may be without Marcus May as well. Uh, They also did not have participation from wide receiver Jeff Smith either as he's dealing with a concussion as well. Uh, So it looks like Corey Davis, I mean, it's obvious, you know, he's the number one receiver on that roster. So he will probably still receive a majority of the, of the targets for tomorrow's matchup. Uh, You know, as I said earlier, uh, New England, they are without James White after he suffered a hip subluxation last week. And he is out for the remainder of the season. Uh, that probably means that J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson will see increased playing time, especially with Stevenson being a rookie coming out of Oklahoma. He's been, obviously, like I said, uh, he's been benched ever since he, uh, ever since he gave up a fumble in week one against the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, the running back situation in New England, that's something to keep an eye on. But it's even worse for New England because they're losing one of their offensive captains as well with this yes. uh, with this injury. Uh, Broncos wide receiver K.J. Hamler has suffered a torn ACL, uh, and he will miss the remainder of the season as he struggled with injuries through two years in the league so far. He missed three games as a rookie with a concussion, and an hamstring issue, and now he will uh, play only three games this year because of the torn ACL. So now, not only are they without Jerry Judy, now they're without K.J. Hamler. That leaves Cortland Sutton as the unquestioned number one wide receiver uh, with Tim Patrick starting alongside him. So... I mean, granted, Patrick, you know, he posted 98 yards last week uh, in catches. And Sutton, you know, he's probably – I mean, he's going to be a heavy producer anyway. So the Broncos should be able to recover uh, despite losing both Judy and Hamler. Though uh, they will have to – you'll probably be seeing a lot of targets going Sutton's way, though. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the Panthers, uh, it's been reported that they are tr- they have traded tight end Dan Arnold and a third-round draft pick to the Jaguars in exchange for cornerback C.J. Henderson. 
as Henderson has been on the trading block since August, and with Carolina losing J.C. Horn indefinitely to a foot injury, uh, the Panthers decided to exchange offense for defense, bringing in C.J. Henderson uh, while dealing Arnold to Jacksonville. But it's you know it's kind of weird though because the Jaguars they lost James o- or no. Actually, no, it, it, it kind of makes sense for a Jaguars perspective. Uh, they lost James O'Shaughnessy for a few weeks, and they've been starting Jacob Hollister uh, last week against Arizona, and probably, I believe, this week as well, although Arnold may have, uh, may have played as well. Uh, but Arnold will probably stop – will probably slot right in as the, uh, as the number one tight end until O'Shaughnessy returns. Uh, but in three games with the Panthers, Arnold had seven catches for 84 yards this year. Now, uh, rookie Tommy Tremble will be the the uh, path catching tight end for Carolina after Arnold's departure here. Uh, moving over to the NHL, obviously, you know we have the preseason currently underway. Yeah. Uh, we have obviously teams looking to see what they're what they're going to do in terms of um, you know who who may potentially make uh, who may potentially make the team who may not. Uh, one of the early uh, things though, Travis Zajac he announced a one day deal with the New Jersey Devils to announce his retirement. Uh, okay. However, Zajac will stay with the organization in an on and off the ice player development uh, and, consul- and consul- uh, consulting role, it says here. Uh, he will also work to grow the team's youth hockey initiatives as well. Uh, he suited up in over a thousand games with New Jersey uh, in his NHL career after they originally selected him 20th overall in the 2004 NHL draft. Uh, he's he he had accumulated 203 goals and 552 points in 1,037 career NHL games. So I mean it, it's kind of obvious, you know, Zajac his offense had had really deteriorated mm-hmm. in recent years, so it made sense that you know it's probably the end of the line for him essentially. It looks to be that way. Yeah, and uh, the holdout is officially over for Vancouver and their two star, uh, their two young star players, Elias Peterson and Quinn Hughes. Yes, as Peterson uh, reportedly agreed to a three-year deal worth around twenty-two point oh five mil, so basically seven point three five mil average annual value. Uh, and Hughes agreed to a six-year deal worth about $47.1 million, which is about an average annual value of around $7.85 mil per year. Uh, so they will officially report to training camp and participate in the preseason, obviously. Uh, big news for Vancouver, uh, you know, agreeing to deals with two of their young star players. Which obviously 
you know, they, they would have probably fetched a high price on the open market if they were, uh, if, well, let's just put it this way. If the uh, salary cap had been higher uh, this year, they probably would have fetched a, a huge price on the open market. Yeah. Uh, this one, though, this one is kind of kind of confusing to me. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens has signed a five-year, $27 million contract extension to remain a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the reason why I say this is, I mean, he uh, he is in the final year of his two-year, $8 million contract. Yeah. And obviously he'll be signed with Columbus now through the 2026-2027 season. But the big problem here is last year he only had an 8-12-5 and record with a 2.77 goals against average and a 91.6 save percentage. So I guess maybe that was a result of the fact that, you know, they just couldn't provide enough offense in front of them. But, you know, normally you would probably expect more better stats to give a, to give a goaltender around five mil per year. Yes. Then again, though, the Bruins did the exact same thing with Linus Olmark. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been able to even stay on the ice. So, I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think that this is kind of uh, kind of overpriced, or do you think that maybe perhaps Columbus just hasn't had enough offense to? Uh, they really don't. You know, to they to really get enough offense. Yeah, that's a problem. They don't really have the offense. They can't really stay competitive. Because I mean, when you when you look at the obviously for a goaltender, the two biggest stat lines that you want to look at is the goals against average and the save percentage. Now goals against average, you know, 2.77. I mean, not bad, but also, you know, you could probably ask for a little, a little better for goals against average and 91.6 save percentage. That's kind of, that's pretty much uh, around the league average anyway. So, so, you know, I guess, and also, this clearly shows that he's he was used in a backup role uh, as opposed to starting last year. So maybe perhaps, you know, if Columbus uh, if Columbus focuses on improving their offense, you know, maybe maybe this contract will be worth it in the long run uh, right. for. Columbus to have uh, a player like Elvis Merzlikens locked up like they are, but you know, I just, I just don't know. You know, twenty-eight games, eight, twelve, and five yeah. record, two point seven seven goals against average, and ninety-one point six save percentage. Those are pretty much the only two stats that really saved this deal, if anything. Yeah. Uh, the Maple Leafs, they have announced that they have agreed to a two-year contract extension with head coach Sheldon Keith uh, as he was entering the final year of his current contract. So basically he will be, he will be the, the, uh, 
the head coach for three more seasons, including this season. Uh, he has posted a 62-29-12 record for the Maple Leafs since he became the head coach of the team. However, you know, there's I think there's definitely more problems that lie underneath with Toronto. The fact that they just can't, for some reason, they they just cannot execute when it comes to the playoffs. You know, they're clearly a great team during the regular season, but once they hit the playoffs, it's almost as if they completely turn they they completely switch the uh, the off button. What what are your thoughts, Lou? What, why do you think Toronto has just has seemingly struggled in recent years? What like once they reached the playoffs? I mean, I know last year they didn't have yeah. John Tavares because he got injured during uh, early on in the playoffs, so they didn't. So he didn't have uh, you know they didn't have one of their top scorers and John Tavares for their their entire uh, playoff series. But well, that's what they're missing. I mean, could it could it just be that it's been poorly timed injuries? Well, I've always said injury was a key factor. I mean, you lose one good player, and I can really send you back. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to recover from it. So, you know, the injuries may have played a big factor in it. Uh, bro. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I do. I wouldn't doubt uh, it. Also, Kirill Kaprizov, he has reportedly signed a five-year, $45 million contract extension with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, after only just one season worth of NHL experience. However, though, he's not your typical sophomore player, though, because he excelled last year with 27 goals and 51 points in, tw- in 55 games. And he was a star in the KHL before he even came over to North America. So he does technically have a lot of high-level hockey under his belt because in the KHL, you're basically playing with former NHL players. That's the Russian League, right? Yes, I believe. I believe it's the Russian League, yeah. So, you know, you're playing with – it's not like you're playing with other junior junior players. No, No, you're playing with men in the KHL. Right. So the fact that he was a star in the KHL before he even came over to North America to play in the NHL, he had, you know, he's not like other sophomore players in their second year. As it says here, he has the potential to be the Wilds offensive leader for years to come under this deal. And this deal will buy out the remaining restricted free agent years for Kaprizov in what would have been his first two years of UFA eligibility. So technically, he will be a free agent. I believe this. I believe this makes it. This makes it to his twenty ninth. Uh, his his year twenty nine season. I think. Well, once he turns twenty nine, he'll be a free agent for the first time. Because usually you lose restricted free agency at around 26, 26 going on 27. So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it it doesn't matter anyways. If he continues to be a star for Minnesota, he'll probably be in Minnesota for the long-term future regardless. But, uh, 
yeah, actually, you know what? Let me let me look up his uh, his KHL stats because I'm really interested right now uh, with how with 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 the Continental Hockey League, as they call themselves, uh, being so heavily competitive. Let's see. Yeah, he played uh, with Moscow, uh, CSKA uh, with Moscow in – wait a minute. Oh, is this right? Yeah, this must be right. Okay. In 97 games played in his final year in the KHL, he had 50 – or no. Wait, no, he was number 97. In 57 games played – he had 33 goals and 29 assists for 62 points. The previous year, he had 30 goals and 21 assists for 51 points. And the year before that, he had 15 goals and 25 assists for 40. I mean, regardless of of where and and actually actually he started playing his he technically started playing in the KHL when he was uh, in 2014. So, let's see. He's 24 now. Wait. Yeah, he's 24 now. So, he would have been playing in – he would have been playing at the age of 17 in the KHL against men. And – He's basically excelled in every every season that he had played in the KHL. So, yeah, the, uh, this contract is definitely well worth it, I believe, for the Minnesota Wild because he's going to be an offensive juggernaut for many years uh, to come yeah. for uh, for the Wild. So, yeah, this uh, this is definitely, I believe, well worth it. Uh, Nolan Patrick, he has signed a two-year contract with the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for an average annual value of $1.2 million per year. Uh, he was acquired originally as part of a three-team trade with Philadelphia and Nashville in mid-July. Uh, he produced four goals and nine points last season with the Flyers. Uh, however, I mean, he has not lived up to expectations ever since he was selected second overall in the 2017 NHL draft, but maybe perhaps a change of scenery and going over to Vegas uh, may help with that problem. Uh, let's see, Kevin Hayes, he underwent abdominal surgery uh, a couple weeks ago. He's expected to miss well, at this point, it's now four to six weeks because previously it was six to eight weeks, uh, which means he will miss all of training camp as well as the first month of the season for the for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, he had 12 goals and 31 points in 55 games last year. So there is now a significant hole in the Flyers' top six. But, however, this now also means it creates a big opportunity for some of their younger players heading into training camp. Uh, we do have uh, NBA news as well, as the Ben Simmons holdout now officially continues. Yeah. Uh, it was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski that 
Uh, ben Simmons will not report for the opening of training camp, and he intends to, and this is a quote, he intends to never play another game for the franchise. Right. So he has been unhappy for months, and obviously this tweet from Wojnarowski, which is probably sent straight from Simmons and his agent, Rich Paul, uh, confirms the rumors that have been put out there and puts the Sixers in a very tough spot here. Now, here's the problem. Considering what what they've been asking for Simmons, I mean, they've been asking around around the price of what the Rockets got for James Harden, which was a shit ton of draft picks going along with a couple of young players. And I just don't see the Sixers getting that for Simmons for a guy who's basically he I mean he wants to be a facilitator before he is a scorer and he's been pretty much a big anchor for the uh, 76ers offensive struggles uh, in recent years and that's why they weren't able to advance in the playoffs this year was the fact that he was afraid to even make it to the free throw line. Uh, What are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think that, uh, do you think that any team would even be interested in trading for Simmons at this point? You know, could it, could it just be that maybe he isn't being properly utilized in the Phillies lineup or not Phillies in the uh, 76ers lineup? No, he's been happy, unhappy since he's been there. He was all hype and everything. I never really thought he was a good player. I don't think any team is going to take a chance on him. I think he might be headed back to Australia. Well, that would be one hell of a downgrade. That going again. from uh, going from uh, top dollar in the NBA to playing in Australia. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anybody really taking him, at least not now. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. I mean, the only way that he's going to be traded to another team is if, is if the price comes down significantly. Because I'm sorry, but with with the price that was up there for James Harden, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets have gotten more out of James Harden for that price than they probably right. would get out of somebody like Ben Simmons. Because Harden can actually produce. Simmons, it's yeah. basically a wait-and-see approach, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, yeah, it's just – I just don't see it with Simmons. No. You know, and if he continues – if Obviously, he can continue to be uh, – he can continue to hold out. Uh, however, the, uh, there's been a statement that's been put out that says uh, he hasn't spoken with the team since a late August meeting when he communicated his desire to be traded uh, to uh, Sixers officials. And it's been noted by Wojnarowski that says that Simmons is clearly aware of the sanctions – that are available to the organization to find and suspend him, including withholding of salary. But so far, Simmons appears willing to carry out a plan of forcing his way to a new team. And the Sixers have yet to find a trade that they're willing to make 
in order to deal him. You know, at this point, it just doesn't make sense for any team to even go after him, period, unless, no. that, uh, um, unless that astronomical asking price goes down, which I just I don't see them doing that. Neither do I. And it says here uh, that he was due a eight and a quarter million salary installment uh, yesterday, and the six the, the Sixers reportedly the Sixers reportedly did not pay him that salary that he was due, as due to the fact that he's a holdout essentially. Um, and also, he made his decision with full awareness of the financial repercussions. So presumably, uh, the Sixers' decision to withhold huge amounts of cash won't sway uh, Simmons from his position from his current position. And also, it says, as well, according to Sham Sharania of the Athletic, that 76ers players wanted to travel to LA in order to meet with Simmons in hopes of convincing him to return to Philly, but they were informed that Simmons did not want to meet at all. I mean, this, this, this group of players would have included Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Matisse Tibble, and most of the team were set to take, out, to take a jet out to see Simmons before they got yeah. turned away. And it basically says here that it's been noted that Simmons has mentally checked out as a member of the 76ers. And although there is no deal that has yet been made, teams are still calling to try and search out a deal. Yeah. And also, uh, since we're talking about money, uh, the NBA is reportedly aiming for a new TV deal that will be worth around $75 billion. Yes, you read that. You heard that right. $75 billion, billion. Which, would resu- which would result in a large increase in the salary cap. Obviously. However... It says here the deal wouldn't start until 2025, so it's not effective anywhere close to immediately. However, this also means that we could see, if this does go down, we could see some ridiculous contracts uh, agreed Uh, to in the years to come. Because, I mean, $75 billion, you know, when you split that amongst, uh, amongst teams, I mean, yeah. what, how many teams are there in the league? 30? 30? Yeah. I mean, that comes around an average of about close to billion dollars per team. Right. You know, that's going to be a gigantic increase in the salary cap, which, you know, we oh, could yeah. see some astronomical, we could see some astronomical contracts uh, be handed out. Like for example, if Jason Tatum, if he ends up, uh, if he ends up evolving himself into one of the top players in the league, like say a top five player, you could potentially mm-hmm. see the you could potentially see him asking for much more than what he got in his current extension with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. 
And it says uh, that, you know, this deal would also likely dissuade players from signing long-term contracts before 2025. And it is is possible. It is possible that a $300 million contract would not be out of the realm of possibility. You you did say three hundred million, correct? Three hundred million. Oh boy! Yeah, that's basically a baseball contract. The twenty-first century has gone nuts. Yeah, you know it's. uh, I mean, especially especially with all of the, uh, you know, all of the outcry. Uh, that has gone on in recent years, obviously with the NBA, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and everything, and yeah. how NBA players, how NBA players have been wanting to uh, have a stage, you know, to uh, to make their statements and everything about the uh, yeah. about the issue of Black Lives Matter and everything. Right. And just to think, just to think, they're getting paid. They 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 could potentially be getting a pay increase. On top of all this, it's just insane, you know, some of the deals we could potentially see, especially with these new, uh, with these younger players starting to come into the league. I mean, imagine what, if Trey Young continues to uh, improve at the rate he's going right now, imagine what kind of contract he could have in the next five years once he officially reaches his peak. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Or, or say, say I don't know, Zion Williamson, you know, finds his way out of New Orleans and actually goes somewhere where he can be, you know, a legitimate threat, and he ends up becoming this the planet. player that everybody thinks he's going to be. You know, just just think about how much money he could be potentially worth in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, a $75 billion contract, I just cannot see that. Or, I, I mean, a TV deal, not a, yeah. not a actual player, not an actual player contract. But, you know, a $300 million contract, we only see that in, in baseball and potentially – Potentially football, if I mean, if we're talking about players like Pat Mahomes. Correct. Okay, we got another final that just came in. What do we have? Penn State blanks Indiana 24 zip. Oh, shit. Wow, so Penn State, Penn State, obviously, uh, they're currently at what, number four? Number four. Probably go to number three this in, in the polls tomorrow. Yeah, probably with uh, obviously with Oregon uh, with Oregon dropping today. Yeah, they're probably uh, yeah they're pro- they're probably headed for uh, for the number three spot because obviously one and two are all locked up. Uh, we do also yeah. have another final. We do have another final. Uh, Clemson hangs on nineteen to thirteen over Boston College. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised, you know, with Clemson. You are. 
this was the Trevor Lawrence Clemson Tigers, you would be expecting a lot bigger of a uh, of a uh, of a oh, win. Yeah, sure. Than the six point win. So I just don't. Oh my God! And you know, UConn—it looked like UConn was about to have their first win in two years. Whoa. However, Vanderbilt. However, Vanderbilt—they officially beat UConn thirty to twenty-eight on a last-second field goal. Ball. Yeah. So it's. I mean, that doesn't really matter, anyways. But still. No. It uh, looks like, ooh, ooh, we do have a big upset alert. Mississippi State, Mississippi State oh, yeah. defeats Texas A and M twenty six to twenty two. Yep. Texas A and M was ranked fifteen before this loss. It's like, gee, I guess I forgot to tell you. <laughs> so who knows what they're gonna potentially fall to now? But now Texas A and M is three and two. And we do have some other uh, some other games that are underway. Uh, Michigan State is hanging on to a 17-point lead over Western Kentucky, 48-31. That's about four and a half minutes to go. Uh, at the half, we have LSU uh, over 22nd-ranked Auburn, 13-10. to uh, This game is yeah. about four – Four, about four minutes and 11 seconds left in the first quarter. Uh, UCLA and Arizona State tied at three. Uh, this game just getting three. underway. Fresno State, yes, three apiece. Okay. A field goal and a field goal. That's literally all we've seen out of UCLA and Arizona State so far. Yeah, it'll pick up later, I'm sure. I would hope at least. I got to move to the West Coast. I mean, these these games that go on this late in this time zone, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And that, We're by the way, is Hawaii. on FS1. Yeah, that, that by the way, is on FS1. Uh, right. The Fresno State game is on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Fresno State and Hawaii just beginning. So they – actually, I think Fresno State started off with the ball. So they're uh, – yeah, they pretty much just kicked off, I think. Um, yeah, you're able to get those games, right? I believe so, yes. Let me double check. Okay. Because um, I, I currently had the Auburn game on, but... Uh, no, no, I mean, but who's your provider? Oh, uh, Xfinity. Uh-oh. Well, luckily you don't live in the New York area. Yeah. No, luckily, luckily I don't because I, I have heard their... Uh, you they heard, you heard, people yeah. on uh, on multiple occasions. They dropped the they dropped the MSG channels on the Comcast in uh, the New York area. You oh yeah, gosh. yeah. No, we haven't you we haven't had penis. MSG. We haven't had MSG over here at all, uh, unless but unless you're a little I bit further out. TV. Yeah, a little bit further but, out, but you know they they used to have the Yes Network, for example. Uh huh. They used to have the Yes Network, and then they dropped it for some reason. Uh, I believe they had MSG at one point too. 
I have to see how they can get out in your area, though. I mean, you're a little out of our region. Yeah, I know. Uh, but they also service Connecticut too, I think. Which, uh, which Connecticut, you know, there's a lot of New York, uh, a lot of New York Depends fans on where living you in are. Connecticut. So, true. If you're in, I think if you're more... in Southern Connecticut, no. If you're like in the Bridgeport, New Haven area, yeah, yeah, most likely. Yeah. Connecticut goes but, both ways. Um... Like the literally the only time I've ever had MSG or Yes Network was when I had Direct TV. That was literally the only uh, the only time I believe I ever had it. My goodness, that's on mine. <laughs> yeah, you probably have Messin Plus as well. Uh, that usually uh, no, goes no. along with it. No, no, because I'm not. Uh, no. I just have uh, the national brand of uh, Nesson on the on the comp, on the uh, on Verizon, but they do not do um, Verizon Plus. Oh, I mean, they do, okay. They that's do, interesting. No, that's, because that's it's out of our it's out of our area. Oh, I see. Okay, so yeah, they must only uh, they must only do Nesson Plus for the New England area, so the New England states. Yeah, which makes a lot of, which makes be sense to be honest. Yeah, obviously. Because um, we want with it. I mean, we're not we're not Bruins and uh, Celtics fans anyway. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Although Celtics are covered by uh, Celtics are covered by NBC Sports Boston, anyways. But yeah, you know, uh, uh, Red Sox and and Bruins. That's you it. know, they go whenever whenever they're playing at the same time. That's when they use Nesson Plus. Nesson right. uh, to switch between the two. Right, and it looks like we we are about to have a uh, a score potentially with UCLA. UCLA is currently at Arizona State's four yard line right now, from what it looks like. So that's better. Um, after a uh, after a huge twenty one yard run uh, by Zach Charbonnet. So Don't there's worry. yeah, there's. Uh, prime opportunity here for UCLA to uh to get some points. Yeah. Uh let me see. I'm pretty sure there were more there were more games I believe. Oh yeah, we do have some more games that are still underway. Uh New Mexico State mm-hmm. and San Jose State are tied at seven apiece. Uh UTEP is currently trailing Old Dominion twenty one to twenty. I believe that might have been off of a missed extra point. Yep, actually, no, it so. wasn't. It wasn't, oh. actually. It was uh, UTEP has scored. They scored a field goal in the first in the first quarter, uh, two touchdowns in the second, and a field goal in the third. So uh, Old Dominion has just been lucky to have, uh, to have three touchdowns, period, uh, to have the slim one-point margin. Uh, Oregon State, they have pulled ahead of Washington 17-10 to 10 currently with uh, about 28 to go in the third quarter. And it looks like they may have – oh, okay, yeah, that was a touchback. Okay. Uh, Louisiana, they did officially uh, – this did go final. Louisiana holds on to beat South Alabama 20-18. to 18. So Louisiana improves to four and one. 
And I think that is all of the games that we have. Oh, actually, no. Uh, NC State, they uh, came back to beat Louisiana Tech 34-27. to So NC State improves to 4-1. and Obviously, Boston College, you know, with them losing to Clemson, they now fall to 4-1. and And that, so far, I think has been, well, as far as the meaningful finals uh, that have been announced as of now. Uh, There are, wait a minute, where is the document I had up here? Uh, As far as the finals go, total, let's see, some of the finals that I didn't mention. Um, Well, the notables, I should say. Uh, Memphis loses to Temple 34-31 earlier today. Uh, USC with a 37-14 victory over Colorado. Uh, Louisville. With uh, they drop a, a slim three point uh, loss to Wake Forest, 37-34. The Tennessee Volunteers with a 62 to 24 thrashing of the Missouri Tigers. Uh, let's see, Ohio State 52-13 over Rutgers. Yeah. The Syracuse Orange are oh okay never mind I, I'm reading this wrong. Uh, Florida State they finally stopped they finally stopped their skid with a 33 to 30 victory over Syracuse. However, Syracuse yes. covered the spread, so that's what I was reading. Uh, that Syracuse had covered the spread as opposed to uh, actually beating the Seminoles. Um, and that I believe, yeah, that's. Most of the notable games, I believe. Uh, North Carolina, they did beat Duke earlier today, uh, 38-7. to Or no, that was, was that yesterday? That might have been yesterday, actually. Right. Uh, we did have uh, yesterday Houston with a 45-10 to victory over Tulsa. Obviously, on Thursday, Virginia over Miami, 30-28. to And, yeah, that's pretty much all the notable scores so far. I do have to update, actually, once we get off the air here. I do have to update the other scores for Sports Whispers. So, uh, let's see. Some other bits of news. Uh, veteran shooting guard J.J. Redick has officially announced his retirement from the NBA yeah. after 15 productive seasons uh, in the league. He finishes with career averages of 12.8 points, along with two rebounds, two assists per game, uh, and 2.1 made three-pointers per game while shooting 41.5% from downtown and 89.2% from the free throw line career. He is only one of three players in NBA history to make more than 2,000 career three-pointers and 2,003 while shooting above 40% from downtown and above 89% from the free throw line. The only two other players in this club are Steph Curry and Ray Allen. 
I mean, talk about some uh, some elite company. Yes, that Curry Owens. is a part of. It's it's just a shame though that he never won an NBA title. Yeah, I believe actually. I don't think he was on. Yeah, no, he never won an NBA title. He uh, spent his career with the Magic, the Bucks, the Clippers, the the 76ers, the Pelicans, and he ended his career with the Dallas Mavericks. And then officially announced his retirement uh, on the 21st, says here. Although he was a member of – oh, no, never mind. That was the Men's Junior World Championship team. Uh, he did win gold medals, though, at the World Championships and Global Games uh, in 2005 with the Men's USA Basketball Under-21 team. And he did compete for a spot on the 2008 Olympic team, but he was not placed on the final roster for Team USA. Uh, according to Warriors owner Bob Myers, uh, he has floated around a potential return time frame of January for injured star Clay Thompson, who, of course, is dealing from uh, surgeries to his knee as well as his Achilles. Uh, Where do you think he'll be back? Well, it says here that they they had said that there was a possible Christmas Day return, but it sounds like January. But it sounds like January is a much safer bet, from what it says. Yeah, I was and right. Said, I was saying uh, on my show, and Myers did say that Clay will be able to do a lot in training camp, but he will not be cleared for contact or five on five play but he will still be able to, you know, get into basketball shape, basically. Right, okay. Yeah. But, I, it kind of, you know, it kind, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense yes. that they're taking it easy with him, you know, because oh, sure. dealing with back-to-back years of, of injuries, you know, it's clear as day that, you know, one – one minor mishap and he could be basically you could you could potentially lose him for a third straight year. That we don't want to they see. try to rush him. No, obviously not because no. the Warriors are a much different team if Thompson is also healthy along with Draymond Green and Steph Curry. And I you know, I said this before you know, if they can get James Wiseman, if they can uh, develop James Wiseman into a uh, legitimate center, you add him to the mix, and you basically almost have your big four back again in in uh, Golden State. And Golden State becomes, once again, a legitimate threat. So... When it comes when it comes to Clay Thompson, obviously, uh, you know they're going to have to have uh, Otto Porter Jr. and Jordan Poole uh, rely uh, relied on heavily 
in in Thompson's absence until he's able to be actually cleared. Uh, But, you know, they say January, but honestly, I would not be surprised if he gets potentially cleared for Christmas Day because you know that they're going to want ratings. You know, the league is going to want ratings. So I have a feeling the league could potentially, since Golden State is playing on Christmas Day, I believe, this year, they could potentially push for Golden State to try and get him cleared early. Yeah. But I was saying that tonight earlier, uh, when they think that he would be back, and it looks like I was right. So far. Well, yeah, I would say I would say if anything, Christmas Day would probably be the earliest that you could potentially expect him back. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say, of course, that he will definitely be back on Christmas Day. But I would say, right, of course, you know, if if there was any possibility for an early return, Christmas Day would probably be the first uh, the first potential date that I would look at. Oh, actually, we have a note here from uh, from Tim. According to ESPN, Penn State is the first team to start a season five and zero after starting the previous season at zero and five since Tennessee did it in nineteen eighty nine, excluding vacated losses. I think I remember that. So that's kind of, that's kind of impressive to be the first, to basically turn your team around from having such a horrible starting off uh, the previous year on such a horrible note, and then all of a sudden you're starting off this year undefeated, but basically in reverse instead of zero and five you're five and zero. Yeah, last year was a trash year. Yeah. It was pretty much a forgotten year for Penn State for the most part. It's, I guess, I guess you could say, you know, they. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they had Saquon Barkley uh, came out of Penn State, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. Um, let me double check. Actually, uh, Saquon Barkley. I'm pretty sure that Tracy Morgan commercial. Yeah, he came out of Penn State. Uh, Saquon yeah. Barkley did. So, you know, I remember I remember Penn State being huge uh, when Barkley was around. But you know, they seem right. to have struggled in recent years. Actually, let me take a look. Let me see if they have. Let me see if they have the the more recent years here. Uh, well, actually, you know what? They haven't been that bad since James Franklin took over. Uh, currently in his eighth season, you know they've been uh, they were they've been sixty three and twenty eight since he took over in twenty fourteen. So let's see. Let me take a look. Twenty nineteen, they finished the twenty nineteen season eleven and two. Uh. They finished four and five last year. Um, twenty eighteen, they finished nine and four. So 
I mean, they haven't been that bad. It's, it, they just had a down year last year, if anything. So, yeah. uh, it's it's not really that surprising to see them come back and start off so hot this year, especially considering that uh, last year they had finished the season by winning their last four games. So they already had that uh, they already had that momentum to begin with. Uh, let's see. Also in the NBA, uh, Hui Hachimura is out indefinitely with an excused absence from the Washington Wizards organization due to personal reasons. Uh, it does not say about the nature of his absence. It doesn't say, you know, how long he right. might be away, but he has been excused. Uh, due to a due to personal reasons, I wonder if it has to do with the uh, with the COVID vaccine. Because I know Bradley Beal uh, is one of those players that has been against the COVID vaccine. So maybe yes. Hashimura might be might be uh, might be one of those that share those those same thoughts. And actually, it says here uh, that NBA players who don't get vaccinated will not be paid for games that they, uh, that they miss because of COVID-19 protocols. Yeah. Well, in New York and San Francisco, uh, that's where the the protocols are. Uh, But the Knicks are fully vaccinated with their staff and players, but Brooklyn and San Francisco are not. The thing is that, Brooklyn, uh, they only require you to take one shot, while San Francisco, you need both. Which makes sense. You know, San Francisco, obviously being in California, you know, they've been one of the more strict strict, uh, COVID-19 states when it comes to uh, protocols and everything. I mean, hell not to dive into politics here, but that's partially why Gavin Newsom won re-election. My condolences is because of how is because of how he's handled the COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic so far. So uh, it's not really that shocking, you know, that, um, no, no, that they're one of the, uh, one of the top uh, when it comes to, restrictions due to COVID. But it says here, according to the executive vice president of communications, Mike Bass for the NBA, uh, any player who elects not to comply with local vaccination mandates will not be paid for games that he misses. So what do you Uh, do now? Well, you know, there's, there's just going to be certain you know, certain players will have their own beliefs. I mean, uh, Bradley Beal, you know, he refuses to get vaccinated. Um, so, you know, it's just their decision. Yeah, was it worth jeopardizing your career? No, I don't think it is. But, you know, who knows? We could end up seeing some players that will just prob- possibly sit out of seasons, potentially, mm-hmm. because of the fact that they don't want to get a COVID shot. And actually, uh, the NBA has denied Andrew Wiggins' request for a religious exemption from COVID-19 vaccination requirements, 
uh, it was pretty blunt that they the press release that they sent out that said he will not be able to play in Warriors home games until he fulfills the city's vaccination requirements. And this basically buttresses a, a previous report from the San Francisco Chronicle that explained that the city's rules would have prevented Wiggins from playing even if he did obtain the league's exemption. And now, with his with the NBA's refusal, his status for road games could become even murkier. And it says here he has to be fully vaccinated by October 7th in order to play in the Warriors' home opener. Now, I don't know if there's been an update since, but uh, I would assume that considering the time frame, it's probably not going to happen. So he will be unavailable more than likely for the home opener. No, wait, it says, wait, wait, hang on. It says they need one shot. New York, you do well, San Francisco, you for, need two. Oh, okay. San Francisco, you need two. Okay. Yeah. So no, yes. there's no way. There's no way that he'll, he'll be able to play for the home opener. Um, oh, hell no. Michael Porter Jr., he has reportedly agreed to a five-year max extension with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, his contract could be worth up to $207 million if he makes one of the three and all-NBA teams this season. Yeah. But the floor, the floor of his extension is $172 million. So regardless, he's getting paid massive amounts of dollars. Uh, under this deal. Uh, also, it says for a potential Ben Simmons deal, uh, the Cavaliers, they are listing lottery pick Evan Mobley and Darius Garland as the two players on the Cavs roster that are untouchable in any deal for Ben Simmons. So this basically leaves Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, and future first-rounders as the best ammunition that the Cavs can use to potentially land Simmons. Although uh, it does say, though, that the Cavs don't essentially have any players that are truly untouchable, but that Mobley and Garland are the closest ones to that designation and the likelihood of either player being moved is incredibly low. Yes. Essentially. Now, over to baseball, because tomorrow is going to be quite the day. I'll just put it that way. Because we have potentially... Well, I shouldn't say potentially. We do have a three. Actually, no. No, actually, no. I should say potentially. We could potentially have a three-way tie for the wild card in the American League tomorrow, depending on what happens. If Boston and New York both lose, but Toronto wins, we'll have a three-way tie officially. But Boston, considering they're going to be playing against a rookie, I don't know why Washington is starting. Get this. Washington is starting a player who 
literally his last start was his first official start in AAA. And his double-A stats weren't that better at all. His double-A stats kind of made me surprised that he would even be called up to begin with. So, safe to say that Boston may actually have home run derby tomorrow against the Nationals, potentially. Okay. Uh, So, Boston will probably lock themselves in. Uh, The Yankees have to hope that Tampa Bay will that either Tampa Bay will show some mercy or that Baltimore will decide to play the actual spoil the the real life spoiler and beat Toronto somehow tomorrow. I wasn't expecting this. I was gonna think at least the Yankees would take at least one game. I thought there'd be no way at home they would lose to Tampa. Again, Tampa has been beating us. I I thought, you know, after sweeping Boston last week they'll put us in the driver's seat and now and Toronto, well, and of course, uh, you know, being the birds. Uh, well, you were. You were in the driver's seat. You were, you were in the driver's seat, though. The hell happened? 12 to 2 happened. Yeah, I know. It was, I, there was something that was a typo. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that New York, uh, well, first off, I'm, I'm surprised that Tampa Bay, you know, they – they would basically have their foot on the gas pedal like they are here. But I guess, you know, they're trying to stay focused. They're trying to stay in shape for a potential matchup against the New York Yankees, potentially in the playoffs or against the Boston Red Sox. So, or even against the Toronto Blue Jays. So they're trying to keep all their players in top shape and having them play to win each game, basically. All the Yankees got to do is win and they're in. No question. Yeah, that's all Boston and New York have to do. You win, and you're in. Seattle, uh, let me see. Seattle, they are one and a half games out. Uh, let me see what their current – they're currently leading 3-1 to one against uh, L.A. So, assuming they beat L.A., they will also still be in the running. So, it's possible we could potentially have a four-way tie. Okay, so Heading you're going to have, uh, I guess, uh, two one-game playoff games tomorrow, uh, Monday, rather? I would assume. Yes. That might be how they do things. Um, but if Boston and Toronto win and the Yankees lose, they're out. Yeah, the Yankees, well, I don't know, though, because the season, I don't think they go by the season. Uh, do they go by the season uh, yeah, I believe they do. And New York, lost, New York lost the season series to Toronto. I think so. I think Anthony Mendes come down to percentage points. It might, yeah. Well, I don't know because you know they're they're ninety one and seven. They they would be ninety one and seventy one if. If the yeah. Yankees lose tomorrow and Toronto loses, both teams are out, right? And Toronto wins. Both teams would be 91 and 71. So it wouldn't be off a of percentage. It would probably be off of uh, uh, be off of the season series, potentially. Then, obviously, if the season series was tied, 
then they would go to, I think, the, the run differential, which in that case, Toronto has New York beat by a mile. Yeah. Now, Seattle, on the other hand, Seattle, I mean, they lost last night to L.A., so it's entirely possible. L.A. has three more, uh, three more innings, so, you know, it's possible – a two-run deficit, L.A. could potentially come back. We could see Seattle get eliminated tonight, possibly. Right. Uh, but Boston, it says they've at the, at the, uh, at the most, uh, or at the least, Boston has clinched a tie, essentially, right. for the wild card. Yuck. So... At the worst, they would have to play. A, they would have to play just uh, just to get the chance to play a wild card game. So we would see game one sixty three basically uh, mm-hmm. if Boston ends up losing tomorrow. However, if Boston wins, then they clinch the number one spot, uh, mm-hmm. and they would host. They would host the wild card game in Fenway. Uh, but the American League uh, division leaders, Tampa Bay obviously represents the East, Houston represents the West officially, and Chicago represents the Central. All other teams except Boston, New York, Toronto, and Seattle have been eliminated. Uh, in the National League, you got San Francisco, Milwaukee, and Atlanta as your division winners uh, with L.A., and St. Louis occupying the wild card spots, and all other teams have been eliminated officially. Who does the Mets to be eliminated when they had such a hot start? Yeah, you know, but the 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 season changes quickly, so it's. It, yeah. it's it, it's 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 kind of amazing too, considering the talent that the Mets have, and they just can't for some reason they can't put things together, and especially with the That's golden opportunity they had, with the golden opportunity they had with uh, with Atlanta, uh, you know, Atlanta losing uh, their star center fielder for a majority of the season. But then again, like I said, like I've said previously, nobody expected that Atlanta would thrive instead of uh, instead of suffer from losing uh, yeah. their star center fielder. When Kuna went down, I'm like, okay, that's it. Their season's done. Think again. Yeah. Instead, they're. Uh, they they clinched the uh, the NL East and they're headed to uh, they're officially headed to the playoffs. Now with LA versus with LA versus St. Louis, I'm pretty much going to say that LA is going to advance. Period. Regardless, so I mean they lead St. Louis by 14 and a half games in the wild card. So you know it's. And the run differential is two fifty seven to thirty five. It's not gonna be you could almost consider you could almost crown LA as the official wild card representatives for yeah, the I National so. League. 
American League, it'll get interesting because depending on when the wild card game is, I don't think they will have, uh, if it's Boston and New York, I don't think New York will have to face Chris Sale because Sale is supposed to pitch tomorrow's game, uh, which basically will put him out of the running for a wild card for the wild card game. They may face Tanner Houck possibly though. Uh, Cause Tanner Houck, even though he, you know what? That's another thing. I have to bring this up, even though uh, you know, Tanner Houck, he, he had previously pitched three days ago. So he was pitching on three days rest today. He had been through five innings, 53 pitches, pitching a perfect game no hits no walks no errors no hit batsmen he was pitching a perfect game he had eight strikeouts and Alex Cora decides to pull him from the game despite even though I understand he had pitched three days earlier but it makes absolutely no sense if you have a guy pitching a perfect game, why not just go through with it until he either walks somebody or he gives up a, or he gives up a hit? Especially when you have a slim one nothing lead like they did. I mean, at, th- at this point, I'm kind of wondering: Is Alex Cora ever going to let him pitch more than five innings? That I don't know. Because it's been like this pretty much the entire year, where every single time, uh, every single time it would be a very promising start for for uh, for the young play, for the young guy. You know, it, instead it would basically be like, okay, we're gonna you know we're gonna take you out after say four and two thirds innings or after four innings, and we're gonna put. Uh, somebody else to completely fuck up the game and, and make us lose. And I mean, he has a three ERA, which is like one of the lowest ERAs among all of Red Sox starters this year. And yet out of all the games he's played, he's only won one game mainly because of the fact that they just won't let him you know, they just what? won't let him play, period. They won't let him go further. <sighs> and uh, believe it or not, Boston almost did lose today's game. I mean, they gave up uh, a base right, yeah. voted sac- They gave up a bases voted sacrifice fly in the eighth inning. Now, had they not scored five or not five had they not scored four runs in the top of the ninth inning probably would have been walked off uh, by Washington in the bottom half when they gave up uh, the two run shot so Boston's extremely lucky that they were able to have scored four runs uh, off of Rainey in uh in relief today. But some scores from around the league. Uh, currently in the top of the seventh, the Mariners hold on to a three to one lead. 
uh, over the LA Angels in the bottom of the eighth. In the bottom of the eighth in LA, the Dodgers with an eight-one lead over the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, finals from earlier today: Tampa Bay over New York, twelve to two. Toronto over Baltimore, ten to one. Red Sox barely over the Nationals, five to three. The Padres beat the Giants three to two in ten innings. Uh, Marlins over the Phillies three to one. The Pirates over the Reds eight to six. Texas over the Indians seven to two. Uh, the Astros over the Athletics ten to four. Twins blank the Royals four nothing. The White Sox edge out the Tigers five to four. Uh, the Cubs six to five over the Cardinals, the Braves over the Mets six to five as well, and the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. over the Rockies eleven to two. So I mean, reg- regardless, you know, tomorrow's matchup really the one matchup I think that a lot of people are going to be, or the three matchups I should say, that everybody's going to be watching are Boston and Washington. Yankees and Rays and the Blue Jays and Orioles. And depending on if Seattle, depending on if Seattle wins tonight, maybe they'll also be looking at Seattle and, uh, and LA because pretty much that's the only race that is yet to be settled is the, the American league wild card. But as far as potential starters, uh, the Red Sox have Chris Sale going up against uh, against the 22nd uh, best prospect in the Washington uh, Nationals organization, Joan Od- uh, Joan Adon, who literally just made his first AAA start a couple of days ago. Uh, Tampa Bay they have Michael Waka going out to the mound against James and Tyon of the New York Yankees. So that might be good news for New York, uh, considering between the two pitchers, Tyon's probably the better pitcher. Uh, and for Toronto, they got uh, Hyunjin Ryu going up against Bruce Zimmerman for the Orioles. Yes. And for the Mariners, they have Tyler Anderson matching up against Reed Detmers. So those are pretty much, you know, the yeah. big, the big game uh, matchups to pay attention to tomorrow. Considering, I mean, let's face it, everybody else, you know, they may just rest some of their players for, uh, yeah, for those who already course. have their for those who already have their positions locked in. And obviously, you know, there may be just some that decide they want to play spoiler. So, uh, you know, who knows? It's possible. Yeah, welcome down to tomorrow. How about that? Some uh, college updates at the end of uh, three quarters. LSU with a nine-point lead over Auburn, 19 to 10. Uh, UCLA and Arizona State are tied in uh, the second quarter with about eight and a half minutes to go, 17 apiece. Hawaii currently holds a three-point lead over Fresno State, 10-7. to 
where is that other game I was just looking at? Uh, Michigan State, that has gone final. Michigan State, 48-31 to 31 victory over Western Kentucky. So they improved to 5-0. and oh. And Oklahoma State did officially topple uh, Baylor 24-14. to 14. And I think that might – wait, let me check the FBS. Uh, oh, Washington, they have come back to take the lead over Oregon State 24-17. That is with about – 10 minutes to go in the game. And yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it for college right now. There's still yeah. I mean, there's a couple of other games, but the other games aren't really ones to watch for. Uh San Jose State and New Mexico State, uh it's 24-14 at the half for San Jose State. Right there, but uh let's see some NHL scores around the league here. Granted, it's preseason. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, you know, so far they've had a pretty successful preseason. However, yeah. uh, they, are cur- they are currently trailing 3-1 to one to the Calgary Flames. Uh, this has gone final. The New Jersey Devils, they stay perfect in the preseason with a 2-1 to one victory over the New York Islanders in overtime. The Arizona Coyotes with a four to three victory over the Anaheim Ducks. The the uh, Edmonton Oilers four to three over the Winnipeg Jets. The Philadelphia Flyers with a three to one victory over the Washington Capitals. Capitals haven't even won a preseason game yet so far. Uh, the Senators drop a two one decision to the Montreal Canadiens. The Red Wings with a 5-1 to one win over the Columbus Blue Jackets. The New York Rangers with a 4-3 to three victory in overtime thanks to an Alexis Lafreniere uh, open net goal against the Boston oh. Bruins because, Li- because Linus Olmark apparently does not know how to play the puck, uh, especially when it when he literally has it in front of the net. Uh, the National Predators with us. I mean, yeah, granted it is preseason, but I mean, he made a pretty stupid decision. You know, he, he held his stick on the puck for God knows how long and he couldn't decide who to pass it to. Then when he finally decides to pass it, a charging Alexis Lafreniere steals the puck, uh, before it even gets to, uh, Allmark's target. And, I mean, it's it, it was pretty much as, as wide of an open net as could be, essentially. And Lafreniere just buried it. Uh, the Nashville Predators, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-1. to one, And the Chicago Blackhawks, they beat the St. Louis Blues by a score of 5-1. to one. So that is how the... NHL stacks up. Uh, Let's see. Did we have any games in Major League Soccer? Uh, Yes, we did. Maybe? Yes, we did, actually. Uh, Currently, in the 
22nd minute, Vancouver holds a 3-0 lead over San Jose, so that will become final at some point. Uh, The New York Red Bulls with a 1-0 victory over Cincinnati FC. Uh, Orlando City with a 2-1 victory over D.C. United. Uh, Dallas and Minnesota played to a tie, uh, a scoreless tie, actually. Montreal with a 2-1 victory over Atlanta. And I think this was Austin, Texas. Yeah, Austin FC with a 2-1 victory over Real Salt Lake. Oh, wait a minute. When is... Okay, so there are games tomorrow uh, for soccer. They got NYC FC against Nashville. You got Philly against Columbus. Uh, Houston against against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Toronto against Chicago. Uh, Portland against Miami. L.A. against LAFC and Seattle against Colorado. So, yeah, wow. Uh, the New England Revolution must not play for quite some time. Yeah. Because I do not see – yeah, I don't see them listed. Huh. Wait a minute. Let me check. So they do have games – they do have games tomorrow. Then the next – October 9th, October 10th. Okay, it says their next game for New England Revolution is on the 16th. So they have two weeks off, basically. And then they play on the 20th, which I believe the MLS Cup, I think, begins in November. I want to say. Just a little bit of leap. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, that's probably going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, All right. We will be back. uh, We will be back next week for another edition of the Sports Whispers Weekly Podcast. Uh, brought to you by uh, Missy AE and the Missy AE podcast, and also by the Whispers groups that you can uh, you can join by going to Facebook and searching for either Survivor, Big Brother, or or uh, Sports Whispers, and you can basically chat with any Survivor, Big Brother, or sports fans, uh, as well as get access to all of our other podcasts that we have done by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by subscribing on iTunes or Amazon music by searching Missy AE and you'll get access to all the shows that we have done uh, as well as any that will be uh, coming up. Uh, But anyways, uh, Lou, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, Everybody have a good Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.